everyone, welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast that discusses video game news, stories, and the biggest topics in the video game industry. My name is Luke, and I am your host. Joining me is my co-host, Adam. Adam, how's it going? How was your Halloween? It's it's going all right. Halloween was was good with Luigi's Mansion. So, uh, <laughs> how about you? How you doing? Uh, good. Yeah. Uh, I it was kind of a weird Halloween for me this year. I normally like I'm a big horror fan. I'm always a, about watching horror movies, playing horror games. But this month was just so busy that I never really put too much time and effort into to doing that. And then when Halloween came around, I just didn't really have the urge to to do any of that. And I. Yeah, like I said, I usually play like a horror game or something, but uh, The Outer Worlds has just been taking up so much of my time because I've been enjoying myself yeah. so much. I just played that. So I don't get a chance to delve into a whole lot of horror stuff mm-hmm. um, because my wife is not into horror yeah. at all. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Nickelodeon, who did kind of like a small mini series reboot of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, nice. And it was actually pretty good. That's I enjoyed awesome. it. It was a it was a little three part series. Um, we watched the the first two episodes, and we didn't get around to watching the final episode until I think it might have been Halloween night, oh, okay. maybe the night before, something like that. So we we ended up finishing it up. It wasn't scary by any means, um, you know, because it was generally for like I don't want to say kids, but like a younger yeah, like teen audience. Yeah, young, um, young, yeah. But. I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I kind of hope they do more stuff like it. Like, I feel like they could make, they could almost do like a solid, like, almost like a Netflix type series out of it. Like, mm. keep it kind of just like a shorter series, like eight to ten episodes long and do it like every year. Yeah. Um, I think that would be kind of cool if they did something. I, I hope they do more, even if it is just like every year. It's like a three episode something or other, mm. but. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. So shout out to Nickelodeon for, for that. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't even realize that they were doing something like that because I, I, I loved that show when I was, you know, a kid. I remember mm-hmm. as a kid thinking it was so, like, especially like the like the title card sequence of the intro of the show, just like yeah. thinking it was so like spooky and creepy. Right. And then now it's, you know, of course, anything that is aimed at kids, when, once you get older you kind of realize, mm-hmm. oh, it's not not as scary as you thought it was, but that, mm-hmm. I, I might have to check that out for myself. That's cool. Um, yeah, I I spent Halloween playing Outer Worlds, and then I realized, you know what? If I stay up a little longer, I can wait for the Death Stranding review embargo to drop. So that's going to be <laughs> one of the big things we talk about today. All the reviews were released last Friday, and... It's very it's a very divisive game uh, lots of scores that were high lots of scores that were on the lower side um, lots of differing opinions on the game so we're going to be talking about that today we're going to be talking a little bit about blizzard they had blizzcon this past weekend and they announced diablo 4 and overwatch 2 two really big announcements um, of course <laughs> blizzard's kind of caught in a little bit of controversy right now uh, surrounding the Hong Kong protests. Um, we never talked about that specifically on the show, so we'll touch a little bit on it, I think, before we talk about those topics. But there's so much to what's going on with Blizzard right now that um, it would take it take a while to ke- catch everybody up to speed. But I'm sure a majority of our listeners are kind of 
aware of what's going on but we'll, we'll kind of just stick to talking about those announcements and then quickly we'll we'll go over there's some new additions to playstation now some really awesome games making their way to the service and i'll just give a quick reminder of what games with gold uh for november 2019 and then also what games you'll be able to play for playstation plus subscribers and then, of course, we'll go into what games we've been playing. I've, just like last week, been playing a lot of The Outer Worlds. Uh, Adams, you mentioned that you've been playing Luigi's Mansion, so we'll hear all of your impressions around that game. And, yeah, we got a, a bunch of you guys writing into Question of the Week, so we'll end off the show like we always do with that. Before we get to all that, just a reminder that Games Are Fun is available every Tuesday it's available on all major podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Just search for Games Are Fun on whatever podcast service you use and we should pop up on there. And a uh, well, quick reminder that obviously Death Stranding is just around the corner. We're a couple days away from it and I'm going to be doing a review episode. I, I'm still trying to figure out, I'm hoping <laughs> the game sounds quite long and there's there's people talking about being halfway through it uh, or only three chapters into it after playing maybe 50 plus hours so i have a lot of gameplay ahead of me so the plan is to try and finish the game so that i can you know do a review and then finish off the episode with doing a spoiler cast um but i also have uh somebody who possibly might join in on the review still planning that um so once we get that all finalized and I know when it's going to go up, of course, I'll mention it on the show, but I won't know until, you know, I get at least, uh, you know, a couple days. I am taking some time off work to play the game because I'm so excited for it. And, you know, hopefully I'll get enough time in it to be able next episode to be able to kind of tell you, hey, this is when the episode can be expected kind of thing. So you have that to look forward to. So, speaking of Death Stranding, let's do the review roundup. So, people got their hands on Death Stranding uh, earlier in October, and it was pretty heavily embargoed, obviously, um, being so far away from the release date, but that review uh, embargo was up on November 1st, so all the major reviews from all the major media sites popped up, and then... People, you know, gave their impressions of the game. So, so right now, uh, based on 76 critic scores, it has a meta score of 84 on Metacritic. So, uh, pretty, pretty solid. It has generally favorable reviews. Um, but like I said at the beginning of the show, the game is very divisive. There is a lot of people saying it's, you know, really great, giving it nines, tens. Then there's other people that were kind of in the middle to the lower end of things. Um, so let's just kind of talk about a couple major reviews. So the first one I wanted to, again, I'm not going to read the whole reviews. I'm just going to read a couple major media sites, um, well-known media sites, and what they had to say. So GameSpot gave it a 9 out of 10 and says, Death Stranding is a hard game to absorb. There are many intertwining threads to its plot and silly names corny moments and heavy exposition ballet and otherwise very simple message that comes through much more clearly in the game's more mundane moments when you find a desperately needed ladder left behind by another player or receive a letter from an npc thanking you for your efforts it's positive with without ignoring pain in fact 
It argues in both its story and its gameplay that adversity, excuse me, that adversity itself is what makes things worth doing and life worth living. It's a game that requires patience, compassion, and love, and it's also one we really need right now. So, again, 9 out of 10 is quite a good review from, from GameSpot being a big site. Uh, let's move on to another take that was a little controversial in the Death Stranding community. Uh, IGN, obviously one of the biggest sites out there, gave it a 6.8 out of 10. And they say, there is a fascinating fleshed out world fleshed out world of supernatural science fiction to enjoy across its sprawling and spectacular map. So it's a real shame that it's all been saddled on a gameplay backbone that struggles to adequately support its weight over the full course of the journey. Um, and then I'll read one more here. Let's pick... Uh, let's pick Game Informer. They gave it a 7 out of 10. Um, the real issue is that Death Stranding's gameplay really is as simple as it appears to be, and the elements around it, the story, combat, and lackluster mis mission objectives, aren't satisfying enough to anchor the title and get players invested. So, as you can see, pretty pretty <laughs> widespread, um, even just with the big sites like GameSpot and IGN. So, Adam you've probably had a chance to kind of hear people's impressions of the game. What do you think of Death Stranding and what what you've heard over the weekend on people talking about it? So after uh, checking out some of the reviews and, and things like that and seeing a little bit of uh, gameplay footage, I this is a pretty easy pass for me. Mm -hmm. um, it, it seems like it is just a lot of just kind of mundane um kind of walking around it looks very beautiful mm -hmm. um so i mean at least in doing that you can there there seems to be no shortage of you know bountiful beautiful vistas to to gawk at as you as you travel around but the uh the gameplay just doesn't seem like it's rewarding enough to really spend a lot of time into right um i think and this is my my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory that uh, much of the industry is so biased towards Kojima that I think some of these scores got inflated. If this was not a Kojima game, I think we'd see a lot more sevens, six point somethings. Like I, I think the the nines and high eights, the tens, I think are from people that are all in on Kojima. Mm -hmm. And I think because of the name, the developer behind it, it's getting better scores than it would if it was coming from just about anyone else. If this were a Ubisoft game, um, I think people would, would be harder on it. If this were an EA game, people would be shitting all over it. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> if this were a Nintendo game, it, they'd probably be getting flack from it as well. Yeah. Um, it just looks like a very open world game that doesn't, give the satisfying gameplay that you get from something like a breath of the wild where yeah most of that game you're just kind of running around you kill a couple enemies here and there but the exploration was fun mm -hmm. the um the combat was fun i know a lot of people didn't like the weapon durability thing but at least you had um there wasn't any shortage of weapons to come across so you always really had something to fight with you weren't having to go fist to cuffs or use 
uh, a briefcase to attack people. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. I don't I don't fault that. I think that's actually kind of a neat idea. You use what you have available to fight. But right. um, I think there was more to Zelda just all around that made that game work. And from what I've seen, and again, this is just kind of what was available after the embargoes lifted. Cause I think there was even still some stuff they weren't allowed to show. Um, is that it's, it's definitely not a game for me. And, you know, I could be a little bit wrong about it, about that, you know, maybe someday down the road, I'll, I'll pick it up if it's, you know, on uh PS plus right. free game, you know, I might pick it up then, but um, until then, I, I just don't know, mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah. Maybe once I get your take on it, you know, that maybe that'll give me a little sure. bit more to go off of. But, um, yeah, for now, that's that's a pretty easy pass. Yeah. So. Yeah, for, for me, when the <laughs> review embargo dropped, I think the first, well, being a kind of fun, funny fan, uh, absorbing a lot of my, my, the industry news and stuff through them they were the first kind of people that i checked out i stayed up and watched their game cast hearing their take was really interesting because they had uh you know five people on the show and two out of five didn't like it and then the other three did like it some more than others and it was really interesting i thought it was actually one of the best games cast that kind of funny had done because they had really it was really interesting to hear different opinions on things. One, Some things that some people liked, other people didn't like those aspects of it. So kind of knowing what we knew about going into the game, it was funny because like so much of it, and we still, like you said, we still don't know everything about it. They were, the embargo, the embargo was basically, I think, up to chapter three you could talk about. And so any of the end game stuff, uh, you still can't talk about, we won't know about that until the game comes out. Um, but even then it's the game seems to, you know, what we knew about it, it, we, we were joking early on that it was basically a, all you did was deliver packages and it turns out that that is primarily the gameplay, right? (laughs) Um, and you know, there's lots of other things going on there, but that that is going to be the focus and so you know it, it's easy to kind of hear that and think oh that sounds pretty pretty boring and pretty dull but i mean there's certain things that i guess will speak to people differently right like i i think this game we saw a lot of this maybe not to this level but we did see this with red dead redemption 2 last year a game that also had was very split on how people felt about it you know Um, For me personally, I really liked the fact that there wasn't really a fast travel system and I had to ride my horse everywhere because it kind of just really made me absorb the the world and it it just really got me to a place where I enjoyed um, it just looking at the world and, and being a part of it, I guess. Whereas other people really found that as, you know, something that took them out of the game, right? Something that it, all those little details of mundane tasks, I personally kind of like games like that because it just, it makes me feel like I, I'm being more part of the game and stuff like that. Now I understand why people wouldn't like that because, you know, that's not going to speak to everybody, but it's, it's interesting on how just 
someone can love something and then the other another person can just completely hate that aspect of it. Um, before, I do want to say, leading up to my review and what I think about it, it'll be interesting. I have no, you talked about, you know, the Kojima bias and everything. For me personally, I have no real attachment to Hideo Kojima. I, I think he's a, a great, he's obviously one of the best, you know, people in the video game industry when it comes to creating worlds and stories and developing these really awesome games. Um, but I've never, I played 35, 40 hours of Metal, Metal Gear Solid 5, and that's all I've played in terms of the Kojima library. <laughs> and that was a, a great game. I liked it, um, but I have no real association <laughs> to him. So it'll be interesting to see what I I, I, I think about it. I'm, I'm still really excited even after hearing people's impressions. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to and a lot of people, even people that maybe didn't care for it too much, the one thing that a lot of people agreed on that was really cool was the the social aspect of it, the online multiplayer function, which is, you know, being able to, we saw this in the Tokyo Game Show gameplay presentation of being able to drop things uh, like posting signs of, hey, there's BTs up ahead or building bridges or leaving generators or leaving ladders and stuff like that. It, it, that's that from what I heard about people talking about it, is quite cool. Um, especially because you are spending there. The game can get difficult in those moments of, you know, you're traversing through these up these mountains and across these lands on foot and there's not really much else to do. And so being able to kind of help other people with those experiences is kind of neat. So I'm looking forward to that aspect of it. But yeah, I I really don't know because I, I like to think that I I like these types of games. I, I There's something therapeutic, I guess, about being in a world and, you know, like I said, with Red Dead, just can, being consumed by everything that is around you and stuff enjoying the environments and landscape but the thing with it is is there's a difference between doing that with a you know five six hour indie game versus a 70 plus hour video game where primarily all that is is just walking around and doing that thing who knows maybe 10 hours in when it's starting to get going i might have, have given up i don't know i'm really unsure on how I'm going to react to it but I'm trying to come in with you know don't try to force yourself to be excited over this because of you know how how excited you've been over the course of the month come in with a, an open mindset but you know don't be afraid to be disappointed in certain things right and the other thing too is <clears throat> with these reviews um because I mean, there is there's certainly people out there that this game does speak to, and you know maybe these you know like Gamespot for instance, maybe they just found the right person in that team to review the game because sure you know these reviews are all opinion based exactly so <clears throat> one person you know another person in the IGN studio maybe if they had gotten a chance to review it the score could have been less mm -hmm. could have maybe been a higher score. So it all depends on who gets that game that, that reviews it. But it does seem like at least as far as the criticism of the actual gameplay, um, 
seems to be pretty standard across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, we know this is going to be very largely focused around uh, fetch quests and things like that. And just some people enjoy that more than others. So, um, so it's going to get rated differently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it was so crazy. Mm-hmm. I was on uh, leading up to. Uh, the review embargo. I was spending a lot of time on the Death Stranding subreddit, seeing what people, you know, just actually like the last couple months, I've been checking it almost every day. And once review scores dropped, you may, I mean, it's it's crazy how, and this is it. This is no different than any other game release. Uh, when reviews drop, and if if people totally bit like. I think they just, how do I put this? They, they take those review scores like it's, you know, uh, speaks for everyone on those. Yeah. yeah, Like, like you said, it's (laughs) one person's opinion. And when they're doing things like comparing, Oh, IGN gave, you know, (laughs) this shitty ass shovelware game, a eight out of 10 and they gave death stranding, you know, 6.8 or whatever, where's the consistency in that? It's like, well, they're two completely different people with two Mm -hmm. completely different play styles and they're two completely different games. You can't judge them, right? Like when someone compares a score of Fortnite to something else, you know, they're, they're, you're dealing with two different kinds of people and, and how they play games and, and they're different games in a sense. You can't do that. And I also don't understand why people are getting so upset over them thinking that you know that's not fair this and having not even played the game yet right like it's like how can Mm -hmm. you get so upset over a review score and 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 the thing is is like even if like for example earlier this year we had days gone right days gone didn't get super favorable reviews there it was pretty mixed there was a lot of reviews that were on the lower end of things and i played the game i probably put 30 40 hours into it i never beat it and up until that point, I I enjoyed it. I had a good time with Days Gone. Um, some of the issues that people talked about, I started understanding where they were coming from and, and finding myself feeling the same way. But just because a game has this review score, I mean, don't let that influence, you know, it, I, I take what they have to say for it. Don't focus so much on the scores, right? It's It's so crazy to me how people get so caught up in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways i wanted to rant about that just because <laughs> because it was so frustrating because yeah there's these these diehard probably kojima fans getting so upset over ign score and it's like again guys it's it's one person's opinion it you know look at so and so over at GameSpot. they thought something else you know it, it people are gonna have different opinions not so just relax <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, should be interesting. I'm I'm still looking forward to it. I next week's episode, I obviously will have played the game by that point, and I'll be able to. I'm not gonna give. I don't want to give away too much because I obviously want you guys to come in and check out my review episode. But I will give some initial impressions. I'm hoping at that point I can be at the 20 plus hour mark, depending on when me and Adam record. But uh, yeah, expect to kind of hear my initial thoughts next week. And I am totally open to having my mind changed about it. So uh, okay, <laughs> I well. definitely look forward to hearing what you have to say about it. Because, I mean, one of the things, um, just kind of have 
one more thing to say about it. Mm-hmm. So I, one of the first things I read about the game after the embargo lifted was actually Greg Miller's tweet about the game. Mm-hmm. And he said he loved it. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure it was his where he, he said it was kind of Zen like where it was. Yeah. It almost sounds like it's, it's kind of like one of those lifestyle games mm-hmm. because I am super into, you know, like, um, you know, Animal Crossing and like Stardew Valley, Stardew Valley. and stuff like that, where, yeah. it's, where it's very just like relaxing to play as. So um, while this does obviously have combat in it, you know, so there might be parts and, and with the BTs and everything um, where it's more stressful than others. Um, having a game that is kind of super relaxing and, and beautiful to look at and kind of zen like, I mean, that that part of the game does speak to me, mm-hmm. but it also has to be fun. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's where I kind of need to see a little bit more, hear a little bit more, get some more takes on it. So I am open to having my mind changed on it. Yeah. Um, although, I'm, I mean, even if it is fun, I don't think it's... It, it does sound like there are some issues with the game that probably I would never, ever give it a 10, but, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't give Stardew Valley a 10 either. I wouldn't mm-hmm. give Animal Crossing a 10, but they're fun for me. So. Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it, it's always interesting. I mean, Megan has put hundreds of hours into a game like Stardew Valley, and I've watched her play it, and she she loves it. And for me... I put five hours into it and I'm like, you know what? Nah, I'm good. Like, it's not really speaking <laughs> to me. And so, it, it, yeah, it's so interesting um, how even something like, you know, if the if games share similar qualities, just how they present those kinds of things, you know, it might, it might be speak to people on different levels. Um, the one thing I am, one more point before we move on that I am really excited for is just, one of the things that I liked with Breath of the Wild is like the traversal on mountains and stuff that was that was super fun, you know, trying to f- find a way to get up to th- climb this mountain while also, you know, maintaining your stamina so you don't fall down mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That's one thing that in Death Stranding I'm kind of looking forward to is just figuring out how to traverse across the landscapes and stuff like that. Like we saw the the gameplay trailer of, you know, trying to keep your balance and, Mm -hmm. you know, going across rivers and that kind of stuff that, that is interesting to me. Um, but again, after doing it for several hours, is it still going to have the same effect, you know, from the first time I did it, who knows? Right. So should be interesting. I'm really looking forward to, to playing it because there's still so much that we don't know about it. Um, I'm really interested in seeing how, some of the characters unfold. I still don't know a lot about it, it's the one thing that I am really excited for is just hearing people talk about the some of the things that happen in the game. Uh like I remember Tim asked Greg, is there stuff that could be spoiled in this game? Like crazy thing. And he's like, Oh yeah, for sure. Like there's going to be things in mm. this game that um are pretty pretty crazy in the in the story wise so it'll be cool like i i still we still don't know a lot about like mads mickelson character i'm wondering if the the game's going to have some really crazy story elements to it but yeah anyways let's move on that's enough death stranding talk <laughs> uh we're gonna be talking about it a lot in the next couple of weeks so. <laughs> so diablo 4 was announced at blizzcon 2019 so before we talk about this announcement uh just a little bit of 
backstory of, of the controversy around um, Blizzard leading up to BlizzCon. So I'm sure a majority of you guys listening understand the what I'm talking about when I when I bring up the controversy. Basically, there was I don't think we talked about it on the show because I think this we happened. Yeah, I think this happened the week I took off and you were with your brother and you're talking about Indivisible and all the other yeah. things that were coming up. So Yeah, that was um it, when when that came up, it was I know it was a hot topic, but it was also a little bit more political than I was mm-hmm. willing to jump into, so I kind of kind of just left yeah. that out. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we think that it's not important or anything. It's just I I also felt the same way. There's just so many so many things to it. It's more than just, you know, Blitzchung with with the Hearthstone being uh, banned for, for what he said on the, the live stream and everything like that. There's all the other things that came with it too, with, you know, Blizzard employees and, uh, all, all how Blizzard handle thing, things with, uh, even some of the commentators that were on that live stream that didn't Mm -hmm. say things. It's just, there were so many pieces to this big puzzle that it, it, like I said, it would take us a whole episode to probably we could probably talk about it for a whole episode but um yeah basically long story short let's just summarize that uh you know that it's it's not just blizzard there's other companies like the nba uh and that's just one that comes to mind but uh with the hong kong protests coming out um and and people you know protesting those and big major corporations kind of suppressing those that that freedom of protesting and because you know I, a lot of these major companies you know have have their money over in China and again I don't want to get too too deep into the weeds about talking about this but it's you know Blizzard ha- did not take the in my opinion the right approach with with everything that was going on. And so it was really interesting leading up to BlizzCon and what was going to happen where there, there was obviously protests happening. Mm-hmm. How was BlizzCon <laughs> going to deal with this controversy while also having their big conference, one of the biggest conferences, you know, for gamers of the year. Right. And, you know, it, I think that announcing these two big titles were one way of they they did address they i i did again decided not to talk about on the show because we we didn't talk about it previously but they did release a a kind of apology about the whole situation (laughs) um yeah i don't know if you want to bring up anything before we talk about diablo 4 or anything um i mean not really like it's just the the apology was not the best apology ever yeah but they did sort of make amends somewhat to like Blitzchung, like yeah, he got his winnings and uh, his ban got reduced to six months, I think. So yeah. they kind of backpedaled a little bit, but I don't think they. I think they did it just to save face. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's it's still a big tangled mess. I feel like. Yeah. And I I think. I'm a little curious to see if, you know, when the next one of those comes around that 
if there's going to be more people that kind of want to poke the bear. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> well, and that that's just it, right? Is the the whole thing that Blizzard, the, their whole stance on it was that their terms and service say, state that you're, you can't be making political statements and things right. like that. But the thing is, is the political statement is, you know, we're, they're protesting for, for democracy. So it's like, right. That's, that's why this is so controversial is like, are, why, why would you suppress something like such as democracy? And if, if they're coming out with a stance, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter the topic. This is the stance we have on these things, you know? that wasn't necessarily the best choice because now people might, you know, if somebody protests something else, um, you know, like how is Blizzard going to be able, if they, if they do the same thing, that could even create more controversy for them. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Blizzard really needs to weigh, weigh the things. Like obviously you need to put some parameters around that because you don't want people saying, you know, white supremacy or, or things like that. But if there are things that like democracy or, you know, gay rights or something like that, where you you need to kind of give some more leniency around those things, I think. Um, because if you don't, it, it definitely doesn't look like a good approach for, for you and your company, I guess. Right. <clears throat> Anyways. Uh, yeah. So let's, Let's just move on, I guess, to 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 these things. I did want to touch on that though, because it felt weird not bringing it up and then just diving into it. Um, so, let's move on. Diablo Four announced at BlizzCon 2019. So this is from Andrew Webster from TheVerge.com. So Diablo Four is finally official. Blizzard announced the game at the opening ceremonies for BlizzCon 2019 in Anaheim, California, and it marks the first entry in the series since 2012's Diablo 3. The game was revealed with a lengthy cinematic showing off a new, darker tone that harkens back to earlier games in the series. Here's how Blizzard describes the basic premise. Diablo 4 takes place many years after the events of Diablo 3, after millions have been slaughtered by the actions of the high heavens and burning hells alike. In the vacuum of power, a legendary name resurfaces. During the event, Blizzard stressed that Diablo 4 would go back to the franchise's darker roots, which among other things, means more blood and gore. The first three announced classes are the Barbarian, Sorceress, and Druid. Here's a first short look at the actual gameplay. Uh, And here's Blizzard's blizzard on the technology behind the new game diablo 4 is being developed using modern technology that pushes the franchise to dark new new depths this technology is the heart of everything players will see hear and feel delivering much higher fidelity and a more engrossing experience it opens up countless possibilities for the diablo series from smooth character animations such as the druids fluid shape-shifting to the seamless vast overworld players will travel across in search of the next loot-filled underground dungeon Ultimately, Diablo 4 will ground players in a grittier and deadlier world. While rumors of a fourth mainline Diablo game have persisted for some time, Blizzard hadn't officially spoken about the game until today. At last year's BlizzCon, the company revealed Diablo Immortal, a mobile a mobile spin-off that has yet to actually launch one year later. Meanwhile, back in March, the original Diablo was made available digitally for the very first time. There's no word yet on a release date for Diablo 4, but it will be coming to the PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Adam, are you a Diablo player? I am. 
So what do you? How do you feel about this new game announcement? I'm really excited about it. Um, it's the announcement is is a little bit tarnished because of the political stuff that that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it feels like they're kind of. I'm sure they had it already planned to make the announcement here at BlizzCon, yeah. but it does, in a way, feel like they're using that to distract from the the political madness that we mm-hmm. just talked about. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but that being said, I am super excited for Diablo 4. I did watch the, uh, there was a, a story trailer yeah. um, where they kind of show, I guess, how everything kind of kind of begins for this game mm-hmm. uh, with a very cinematic trailer. Looked and then they great. had the uh, gameplay trailer for the three classes that they mentioned. And it looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks very fluid. Um, it it looks fun. The, the characters look dynamic in, in their abilities and everything. Like the druid looked super cool. Like you see him kind of going around and then just all of a sudden he turns into a big bear. Yeah. Takes out a couple enemies. Like that's, that's cool. The uh, sorceress, her abilities looked really good. Um, Barbarian kind of looked like the least interesting out of the three that they mm-hmm. showed. Um, but, you know, Barbarians are usually pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, just kind of beat the hell out of people. Classes, <laughs> exactly, so. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I hope we get a, some release information soon. It'd be kind of nice to know uh, when we can expect mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I'm thinking, well, with them saying PS4 and Xbox One, I would assume that that means next year. But, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows, right? This could easily be announced for that and then delayed and pushed towards, you know, next gen and then also releasing on current gen. It's hard to say, but I myself never really got into Diablo, uh, mostly because, like, the first two games are, are were PC games. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was never really interested in the gameplay style of Diablo, Um I was more, when it came to Blizzard games, I was all about World of Warcraft. That was more of my cup of tea, I guess. Um, I did try uh, Diablo 3. Um, actually, this year, I think I took it out from the library, and I really liked it. Um, I got caught up playing other things, and so I never got around to getting really into it. But, yeah, just watching the gameplay trailer, I mean, it looks looks phenomenal. I really like what I saw from that and this would be enough for me to hey I'm gonna go back play Diablo 3 and so I can get in on this this action when it releases yeah the nice thing too although it does mention the events of Diablo 3 and I'm I'm sure it's gonna feel mostly standalone that you wouldn't Mm -hmm. have to necessarily play through uh, the third game to understand what's going on in this new one especially since it does take uh, place you know years and years after the third so yeah um, I don't think you'd necessarily need to go back and play through any of the yeah. other ones first, but um, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun playing Diablo three. I think it's it's more fun when you have someone else to play with. Like I I never bought it myself, but uh, me and my friend Justin, we you know we'd hang out mm-hmm. and that was kind of like the co op game that we were playing at the time. So we'd go through and just you know we played through a, a couple different times, playing with different classes each time, and uh, had a lot of fun with that. Um, I did play some Diablo 2 back in the day, but that was, um, you know, well before I had a PC that, you know, would be considered a gaming PC sure. or anything like that. So I think I, I pretty much just played that um, or kind of watched friends play it and maybe played at their house a little bit. But uh, nothing I, I played through the entire game on my own. 
Um, but I did have some hands on with it. And that was what I remember was, was also fun, but, uh, three was just a nice, you know, it was really good to play on console. So, yeah. um, super looking forward to, to this new one. Yeah. It uh, it looks really, really good. All right, let's move on to the next game. Overwatch 2 officially revealed at BlizzCon 2019. And this is from Nicole Carpenter over at Polygon.com. So five years after Overwatch was announced at BlizzCon 2014, developer Blizzard Entertainment has introduced its next chapter, Overwatch 2. Overwatch was released for PS4, Windows PC, and Xbox One on May 24, 2016, and a Nintendo Switch version was released last month. The team-based first-person shooter was multiplayer only, with the world story told primarily outside the game. Overwatch 2 is expected to change that, pulling the universe's story back into the game with a long-awaited story mode. A new hero, Sojourn, Sojourn, was revealed too. Overwatch's 31 heroes plus more will get all new looks. During its BlizzCon 2019 opening ceremony, Blizzard unveiled Overwatch 2, confirming information published by ESPN in October. Overwatch game director Jeff Kaplan introduced the game on stage, starting off with a goof on the recent leaks. Overwatch 2 is still a multiplayer experience, but players don't only have to fight against each other. They're working together in story-based missions similar in design to Overwatch's archive event missions. Heroes in these missions will operate on a leveling system to unlock talents and in-game items, all of which further iterate on Overwatch's unique hero system. The Overwatch 2 cinematic begins with the re reassembled crew dropping into Paris to fight a null sector invasion. Whoops, and now there's a super giant Omnic, Omnic with a massive red laser beam. May's injured in the fight, and Winston stays behind to hold the line, not before Genji, Reinhardt, Bridget, Mercy, and Echo drop in. Notably, a few heroes clearly have new looks and maybe new abilities too. Genji's sword looks a bit different and Bridget and Reinhardt are able to interlock shields. As they say, the caval cav uh, cavalry's here. Blizzard has typically told Overwatch a story in animated videos, novels, and comic books, most of which has just documented the past. People invested in Overwatch's lore have been begging Blizzard to move the tank story forward already the most exciting part of overwatches 2 is sorry the most exciting part of overwatch 2 is that it'll finally happen despite introducing a story mode blizzard isn't dropping the competitive multiplayer a new competitive mode push was also showcased at blizzcon 2019 overwatch players will play on all the same maps as overwatch 2 players including the new maps they'll also get all the same heroes a shared multiplayer environment where no one gets left behind kaplan said progress 2 will move forward into overwatch 2 blizzcon attendees can try out push rio de janeiro and new toronto map during the event so does this do anything for you adam not really um <laughs> <laughs> i played the first one and it was pretty fun i played for a little while but uh i didn't have any friends to play with so it eventually just kind of um became i don't want to say boring but it just wasn't as fun as it could have been with people that i knew so mm -hmm. i kind of dropped off of it and um, this kind of feels like a Splatoon versus Splatoon 2 sort of deal. Like, I kind of yeah. don't understand why this is being made. I mean, at least for Splatoon 2, it made sense because it was a new console. Um, and, you know, with the, the really poor sales of the Wii U, most, you know, a lot of people that played Splatoon 2 probably never played the first one. 
And that's not really the case here. There's still a lot of people playing the first Overwatch. I don't feel like there's really a need for an Overwatch 2, unless, of course, they were waiting for the next console iteration, like the next generation. Mm -hmm. Maybe then it would have made a little bit more sense. Um, I feel like they're kind of maybe just trying to get more sales out of it. Like, I kind of don't really see the reason for it, aside from, I guess, the story, which I think is the only... It sounds like it's really the only thing proprietary to the new game Mm -hmm. is that uh, story mode slash PVE type stuff. So I kind of don't understand what the purpose is. Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat. I I personally... I really liked Overwatch when it came out. Um, I I didn't really I that that's a lie. I did have some friends that I did play with it, um, but I did play quite a bit just by myself, joining matches and everything. And it, it was the f- first multiplayer, you know, shooter I guess that I had really been interested in in a long time. I kind of diverted away from multiplayer games for for a while there and it kind of brought me back into that for for a bit and I really enjoyed it but I I eventually fell out because you know there's lots of other games I'm not one of those people that play one game and one game only kind of thing and I agree I I don't understand why they would you know, make this, I, it makes more sense for them to do maybe some sort of like expansion or something like right. that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, you're updating the characters because Overwatch is a games with service, right? They're continually adding new content to the game. Why not just take all those things, add it into Overwatch. And then if you have this kind of story element, again, it doesn't sound like it's a traditional you know, single player campaign experience or anything like that. Add this, this, story mode or whatever this campaign as like an expansion maybe like a $20 expansion to the game Mm -hmm. um that makes more sense to me personally especially when you're putting a two at the end of the game it being a sequel you're expecting a lot more a lot more than and just what I think they're they're presenting here so yeah it just seems like because I mean this is probably going to be sold at at you know the typical sixty dollar price point, at least mm-hmm. U.S. sixty dollar price, and you know if all you're getting out of it is that story mode, and every literally everyone else playing the first game is getting all the other content, <laughs> exactly. Like, it just it, I don't see the value there. Yeah, yeah, I I don't know. It, I mean it's it's great the I the watching the cinematic trailer was kind of cool i never really got deep into the lore behind overwatch i know some people were really interested in that um it not being a real part of the game it being kind of like side stuff that's kind of probably why i never really cared too much about it but if they focused more on that and brought some of those story elements into the game i think i could you know i would probably have a more connection to overwatch and like I said, if if they did have some sort of robust single player campaign that really expands the Overwatch universe, I think they would be bringing in a whole new crowd to the game while still maintaining, you know, the the multiplayer audience and the esports audience, right? So, yeah, it's it's kind of I'm kind of I wasn't really that hyped over this announcement or anything. Um, it was more just like okay question mark <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we'll we'll see it it uh, I 
there was an update at the end of this article that did say Blizzard confirmed Overwatch 2 will be released on PC, Xbox One, PS4, and Nintendo Switch. So, yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't, again, I don't think it looks like it's probably going to have too much more of a technical advancement from the first game. You know what I mean? Like it looks, Mm -hmm. it's, you have to maintain that same look. So it's, it doesn't necessarily look bigger and prettier. It just looks like more of the same. So yeah. 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 All right, let's move on. So, uh, PlayStation now is getting some new additions. Um, so there are, Three new titles joining the 800 plus games that are already available on PlayStation now, and they're they're great games. So Persona 5 being a huge addition to PlayStation now, Middle Earth: Shadow of War, and Hollow Knight. So all pretty good games. Uh, I know you obviously are a big Persona fan, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's really cool for me. I I rented Persona from the library and I put a bunch of hours into it and then realized. Wow, I still have a lot more to go in this game. That is a long ass game. It is, yeah, <laughs> and I really liked it. Like, don't get me wrong, I, uh, I just I had to return it because I, I had met, I had renewed it so many times. They're like, Kate, you've renewed it. Your max, you got to return this game back. I'm like, well, I'm oh only, wow, I'm only <laughs> like, because you can basically you t- can take mm-hmm. it out and you can you get it for three weeks and then you can renew it three times. So uh, a max of like nine weeks. And I had taken out, mind you, I wasn't playing it every single day. And then I had to take it back. But then, again, I could just go back and check it out as long as there's no holds on it or anything like that. And I just never got around to it. But now, you know, it's available for PlayStation now. So that's really cool. And then Hollow Knight. uh, Did you ever play Hollow Knight? I I did. I never beat it, but I Mm. did play it. Yeah, another game that was pretty pretty well-received, uh... From my understanding, it's a kind of a, a difficult game, so that's kind of why I haven't checked it out because I'm a little intimidated by how difficult it might be. <laughs> and then Middle Middle Earth Shadow of War, obviously the sequel to Shadow of Mordor. Um, I I have very uh, interesting take on that series. I really like Lord of the Rings, but the first game, I really like the Nemesis system in in those games. But I I. I got, kind of got it stuck where every time uh, one of the orcs, like, defeats you, they kind of get stronger. And mm-hmm. I kind of got stuck by this one orc, and I kept trying to beat it. It just kept getting stronger and stronger. So I've, <laughs> I've wanted to go back and play the game because I, I really like the Lord of the Rings and Middle Earth, you know, universe. But at any rate, three really great games that have made their, their way to the service. Did, yeah. did, you, did you ever subscribe to PlayStation Now? Um, I think I did like when it first came out Mm -hmm. and at the time there wasn't a whole lot on there. Um, and the streaming, cause it was all streaming at the time and Mm -hmm. the streaming kind of sucked. Like it was very jittery and, and I was even plugged in, like I was hooked up ethernet and everything. So it's not like I was trying to play over wireless and it just, it wasn't a good service to play on. So I understand now that they've improved the service and now they've given the option that you can download certain games as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so that you have it on your system so you don't have to worry about the streaming quality of yeah. it. So the one thing that I found that um, I once I saw this, I decided to look through at the library and see what all was on there. And, it's, I mean, sadly, it's all kind of older stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, they have Uncharted 4, they have God of War, um, there's another really big one they had on there. GTA 5. GTA 5, yeah. So they have some some really good games on there, but they are older, and they're kind of, they're sort of time-locked. Oh, Infamous Second Son was another one. Yes. And they're, they're kind of time-locked, so a lot of these games are leaving um, January 2nd, 2020, mm-hmm. so... And they just put them in in October. So, I mean, you, you essentially have just a few months to play these games. Now, I'm not sure if you download them, if you get to continue playing them after they're removed from the service. Um, Probably not, I, but... Yeah, I yeah. did some brief searching online. I wasn't able to find anything, mostly because I think up until now, I don't know that they've ever really removed a whole lot of games from the service. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the the downloading thing is pretty new as well. Yeah, um, being able to download games, so it's I think it's kind of unclear right now. And uh, Sony's official PlayStation Now page didn't explain if you would lose access to those, those downloaded versions. So I, it's tough to tell. So I mean, it's kind of it's good, but again, it's older games, and you only have a certain amount of time to play them. So it's. It's definitely not where game Xbox passes. Game Pass yeah. is. Yeah. But apparently PlayStation now has more subscribers to it, which I, I guess when you look at total sales of consoles, that kind of makes sense. But Game Pass is far and away the better service, in my opinion, because it is, they're all download games, um, and they're all day and day. I mean, look, like we just talked about Outer, Outer Worlds. Worlds. Like yeah. that just came out on Game Pass and like brand new game. And mm-hmm. that's how all of Xbox's games are going to be going forward. Plus, you do have some third-party stuff in there. And I will say uh, PlayStation Now does have a lot of good third-party support in there. I was taking yeah. a look through. and um, So it's not all just first-party stuff. They say they have up to 800 games on there, which is a pretty extensive library, um, very diverse library. So there is a lot on there. So it is kind of one of those things, like if you're just getting a PlayStation 4 now or you just recently got one, you don't have a big game library you know, yeah. PlayStation Now could be a good way to open up your library because um, you do still get all the trophies and stuff for playing those mm-hmm. games. And they did, uh, they reduced the price on it too. So it fits more in line with like a Game Pass pricing. And um, so I think I, I'm interested to kind of test the quality of the service now, but I don't at the same time want to pay the money to try it. So, right. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's cool. I uh, I want to say a couple months ago, maybe maybe more than that, I decided to check out the service. It was definitely before you know God of War and Uncharted Four made it their way, but it was definitely after the download um, function became available, mm-hmm. and I subscribed to it, and I I think I played I played a couple like walking simulator type games, like Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Um, mm-hmm. I downloaded. Uh, Dark Cloud from like the the PlayStation nice. Two game, yeah, because <laughs> I uh, played that back in the day and was feeling nostalgic for it, and saw that it was included on PlayStation now. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out for that. Um, and yeah, for uh, it definitely once you are no longer subscribed to it, it locks you out of those games. So uh, I still had those games downloaded after I unsubscribed, and there's like a little lock. Uh, by the game so you do have to continue to subscribe to them and the biggest reason why I unsubscribed from PlayStation now was 
um, just the price at that point. It was like 20 bucks a month. And uh, I don't know if that was US, so I might have even been paying a little bit more than that. But that was just way too high. I mm-hmm. I only got it for a month because it was like I wanted a specific game and the cost of buying that game on the PlayStation Store was the same as one month of PlayStation Now. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, why don't I just get a month of PlayStation Now, get the chance to check out some other games on the service and then cancel it. But once it got its price drop, I contemplated it. But again, like it, it definitely $10 is a better value, but it it's, it's just, it doesn't necessarily, yeah, it's not the caliber of Xbox Game Pass. I mean, Xbox Game Pass, I, without hesitation, would recommend it to anybody who owns an Xbox yeah, because of just absolutely. the the amount of games mm-hmm. that are playable on there. I mean, it's it, it's it's great. You'll be able to play every. I mean, there's not a lot of them, but you can play all the the major Xbox day and date games. Uh, even smaller games are seeing that they're that aren't first party are are having day and date release like we after party mm-hmm. right had yep. an exclusive deal with uh, xbox to also launch on game pass when it came out um you know so that's going to attract more people to, to get game pass because um rather than just you know buying the game on ps4 or something like that so i i like these subscription services um but i i it's yeah i don't know why they wouldn't have games like god of war just on there it's crazy to me that's like it's limited time just till january i mean that you still have a big chunk of time to get through those games but why not just leave them up there especially the first party games right it's it's weird to me yeah yeah it's yeah when i saw that they were taking those down in january i'm thinking to myself like why what's the what's the point of taking those away like these are your games and it it and if it gets people to subscribe to your service why not keep them up yeah it it really like there there's people there's no no doubt people who who wanted game pass for those exclusive games um and so like yeah it, it just it just i don't understand why they would need to be taken off you're you're i think hindering yourself more by removing them but who knows i don't know (laughs) (laughs) uh so quickly before we go into games we've been playing i will mention uh, it's a new month so that means more free games so over with games with gold we have sherlock holmes the devil's daughter uh, which is available from November 1st to the 30th, so you can get that game all month long. I actually played this game. Sherlock Holmes games, uh, both, I think it's called Crimes and Punishments, or Crime and Punishment or something like that, and this is the sequel of The Devil's Daughter. They're actually quite good games. I really like them. Um, they remind me a bit of, like, L.A. Noir. You're, you're Sherlock Holmes, and you're solving crimes and stuff like that. They're janky. Uh, they're not super, you know from a technical perspective great there's some bugs and kind of weird things uh even just moving your characters isn't as smooth as some other games out there but they do provide a a fun experience so if you're into that kind of stuff uh the final station don't know much about that that's available november 16th to december 15th star wars jedi starfighter is available November 1st to 15th, so you only have like 10, 10 more days to get that. Joyride Turbo is available from the 16th to the 30th. 
And then your PlayStation Plus November free games are Neo and Outlast 2. Uh, so Neo is really cool um, that that game's on there with Neo 2 just around the corner. I I think we mentioned that these games were on I think last a couple episodes ago or something like that. But uh, Outlast 2, Outlast 2 is easily the most like scary game I think I've ever <laughs> played. I the Outlast the first one I remember there was a jump scare that got me so good that I was sitting on the couch <laughs> and I jumped up and brought my legs up and I, I, I'm, I'm not even kidding, I almost pulled like a, my hamstring. Like my, <laughs> I tensed my muscle in my legs so tight that it like, it hurt. And um, <laughs> if I did it any worse, I probably would have pulled something. So, um, and then Outlast 2 was the only scary game I think I've come across where I'm like, I, I'm turning this off. Like I can't keep going wow. through it. It was just like you're you're dealing with like this cult, and I personally anything that deals with cults in in a horror setting just does it for me. That's the one thing that I'm I'm not really scared about paranormal activity or any of that stuff. It's this like things that could be real in some sort of way, even if it's a little exaggerated with this creepy cult like they just i don't know there's something about it that really creeps me out about that and yeah there there's the that game was quite freaky so if you're looking for a, uh, a good horror game i do recommend outlast 2 and it doesn't really tie into outlast 1 you could play it no problem all right let's move into games we've been playing so adam why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about luigi's mansion 3 Sure. Yeah, that's been the the main thing I I've played since uh, our last show, and um, it's it's a good game. It's it's kind of just more Luigi's Mansion in, in a sense. You know, you're going around vacuuming up ghosts and stuff. Um, it it looks really good. Um, it it's been smooth. I haven't had any performance issues, which is really nice. Um, it's got you know very that very charming Nintendo. Uh, game aspect going for it Mm -hmm. so it's the usual nintendo polish and charm um it there's a few things that i kind of miss from the old game so i never played dark moon so luigi's mansion 2 i never played Mm -hmm. um but i did play the original back back in the day on the gamecube and I, i love that game that's that's a really good game um that i've always enjoyed and some of the things that kind of bothered me in this one is that luigi's not as much seems like he's not as much of a scaredy cat in this one, which mm-hmm. I mean, I guess makes sense since it's his third go around with ghost hunting. But, <laughs> yeah. He's an expert. At this um, point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in, in the original game where he's like, he's spooked about everything and you kind of hear him trembling. Yeah. Like kind of just like, Oh, da, 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 da. yeah. And, like humming and yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And he's, he's humming the little tune Yeah, and I miss that tune too. Like I, like just kind of exploring that, that Luigi's mansion tune. Like I, I hear it in my head, but I don't hear it in the game and yeah. it makes me kind of sad. And, uh, there's no button for him to go Mario. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I totally miss that. Um, so I, you know, I was looking for a very nostalgic experience with this game and it doesn't really deliver on that. Which is kind of sad, mm-hmm. but it does obviously Im- improve that it, it's showing that 
the game has evolved since the original. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it, for the most part, the controls are the same. You have your vacuum. Uh, when you when you have a ghost in your vacuum, you can do a slam move that makes it faster to get the ghost in. So that was kind of a, a complaint from the original is that sometimes the the battles, if you want to call them that, were pretty slow because you were just... It was a very gradual lowering of the ghost stamina before you could suck it up. But now the slamming mechanic, um, it reduces their their stamina a lot quicker. And if you slam a ghost into another ghost, it'll lower that ghost stamina. So when you go to get it, it just makes it all the more faster. Um, Exploration is a lot of fun. It's It's been pretty... Uh, how much time do I have in there? I'm probably around nine to ten hours into the game right now. Okay. So technically there's more. So here's here's the issue I had. So I, I was playing through. I got about four hours into the game. And I made it to a boss where as I was fighting the boss, the game would crash on me. And wasn't really sure how to fix it. I went online and I saw someone had deleted the game and then went back into the store and, and re-downloaded it because mine was a digital copy. Mm -hmm. So I tried that. So it didn't take too long, you know, probably less than an hour to download the game. It's not huge. Uh, so I did that. That didn't seem to fix it. Um, so then I'm like, I saw people saying that they deleted their save file and started again. I'm like, well, I'm four hours in. I don't really want to have to do that. Yeah. But so I almost just quit the game outright. I was ready to call Nintendo for a refund on the damn thing. But um, <laughs> So I'm like, screw it. I really want to play this game, so I'm going to start a new file. So I did, made it to the same part. The game crashed on me again, same boss fight. So this time it wasn't as long. I mean, this was barely three hours this time because I was able to right. get through things a little bit faster, yeah. skip cutscenes. Um and but it did it again. I'm like, I have no idea what to do here. And I, I made sure the game was on the latest version. Um, so I kind of stopped for a little bit. And I'm pretty sure I did this. I had done this already the first time. But just to be safe, I figured I'd try it again as I did a like if you press and hold the power button down, you get some power options to either do like a restart or just shut down. Yeah. So I did a full on just total shutdown. Let it sit for a couple minutes, powered it back on, went into the boss fight again, and it worked. I made it through. So I don't know if maybe, because like, I swear I did the shutdown before, but maybe I just did a restart. Maybe the difference, like you have to do the shutdown and not mm -hmm. the restart if you run into that bug. But um, so it worked. I was able to, to make it past there. And that was, I think it was floor six was where I was running into the issue. Oh, okay. And now I'm up to floor 11, I believe. Um, so after that point, there was a series of just, you get into some different, like once you hit floor six, it kind of takes you out of like the haunted mansion kind of experience. Like you're no longer just in like a haunted house and it takes you to very thematic environments. Um, so there's like a castle environment. There's like a very, like, it's almost like a, almost like a rainforest took over part of the, like a floor of the hotel <laughs> and you're in that and, um, so once you get into like these, these upper floors, these themed floors, the, the puzzles get a little bit trickier. Um, it's a little bit, you know, you might have to think about things a little bit more to try and progress through, which is nice. Um, there's, there's a very heavy 
focus on puzzle mechanics in this game versus the uh, at least the original. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of nice. It does make you think a little bit. Um, there's some there's some decent puzzles in there. Um, they give you, uh, which I'm sure you probably saw from previous information, but the, like the Guiji kind of second character that you kind of get. Yeah. <clears throat> so you can go back and forth and control Luigi or Guiji. Um, so Guiji can get into spaces that Luigi can't. He can kind of get through like gates and uh, vents and stuff like that. So there's a little bit more exploration you can do with him and you kind of go back and forth and, um, you know, there's certain puzzles you need to solve by using both of them. And some of those are, are really interesting, well thought out. Some of them are a little bit more frustrating. Um, but I, I think overall, like the experience is good. There's not as much when you do get into combat, it's, you don't really go against so much. Like there's a lot of like smaller ghosts i guess you could say like kind of minion-y type ghosts that you would get in the original and this one is more heavily focused on like bigger fight like boss fights so i feel like more often than like i almost feel like i've encountered more bosses than i have like smaller encounters um which is okay Mm -hmm. um it just feels like you go through like a puzzle section and then you have a boss fight and then puzzle section then boss fight. like it'd be Nice if there was a little bit more of a mix-up between them. Um, but I ran into a section where it was just just infuriating. And again, made me want to like quit playing the game. And there's a point, just very minor spoilers here, I guess. Um, the game likes to do things that are irritating. So the, the, the main thing, you're going up the hotel, you have to get elevator buttons from from some of these bosses that you can go up to the other floors well the game likes to frequently take these buttons away from you it's like hey hooray i beat this boss i got a button (laughs) and then it's like nope uh we're gonna have some stupid freaking thing come up and take your your button and you got to chase it all over the goddamn hotel (laughs) and and it was just just give me the damn button like um it, it just feels like sort of artificial like gating at that point to kind of i guess fluff out the content Mm -hmm. and that's not how it felt for me i was just frustrated i'm like let me just get to the next area instead of retreading through this same floor again going over and over kind of doing extra puzzles to get this button back um and then the the only other part that i just really didn't like is there's kind of like a take on like a lazy river like you're in like a little inner tube mm-hmm. um and this kind of water system and you use the vacuum to kind of either either blow yourself to, to kind of propel yourself through this this waterway meanwhile you have guiji up on like a dry space that's opening gates for you and stuff and the controls in this section were just infuriating mm-hmm. um seemed like no matter what i did i had no control over what i was doing and and it was it was awful um and the boss fight for that area you fight on this inner tube thing and it was just more difficult than it had to be um so there are definitely some some frustrating things the controls in general can be kind of not the greatest and i think that even kind of stems back to the original game is 
there's kind of a lot of things that they, a lot of different abilities that they, they have you do or, or have at your disposal, which is nice. You don't want to just feel one note with the vacuum. Um, so having these extra tools at your disposal is nice, but when the controls for movement and aiming aren't the greatest, like it's just, it, it's kind of at odds with each other and it can be kind of annoying. So, but overall, like I'm still enjoying it. Um, while I do miss, like once you get to those themed areas, I do miss the, the kind of just general haunted theme. Like it feels, it doesn't feel like a spooky game, hmm. which like aside from the ghosts in it that you capture, like, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of the spookiness was taken out. Like, and I'm trying to think back on the original Luigi's Mansion. I, I had a lot of fun with that game. And I was kind there was certain points in that game where I was kind of spooked. And I don't know if that was just a product of me being younger or if Nintendo just toned down the spookiness for this game. I'm not sure. But like in the, the first one, when the power goes out and you kind of have to go back through and turn the power back on. That was kind of a spooky time because mm-hmm. you didn't know what to expect. Yeah, kind of yeah. going back through and, um, and then of course Luigi being scared the entire time through that game kind of gives you it. It kind of uh, transposes that onto to me as the player, to, to where I'm kind of feeling what Luigi's feeling sure, and again yeah. because he doesn't he doesn't feel as much of a scaredy cat in this one. Like it kind of doesn't make me feel as much of a scaredy cat. I don't know. Um, but it's less spooky, which is kind of sad. But the different environments that they put you in, it is a lot more varied. Um, there's some really cool places. There's a lot of cool puzzles. Um, <clears throat> so overall, the gameplay is really good. Um, uh, I'm enjoying the game. I still just keep wanting to go. Even though there's some frustrating parts, I just I want to keep going back because I want to play more of this game. Um, I haven't beaten it yet. <clears throat> but... If I were to give the game a score right now, I'd probably give it like a 7.8. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so it's really good. Not the greatest, but it's still, there's enough there to make me want to keep coming back and, and playing and finish what I've started. Right. So That's awesome. Yeah. it's From hearing other reviews and impressions of the game, a lot of your things that you praise and things that you... Uh, don't like about the game seem to be consistent with a large majority of the audience who have checked out the game like okay. i uh i remember so this past weekend there was extra live stream for kind of funny they did their 24-hour stream mm-hmm. and i happened i didn't watch all of it but i happened to catch uh greg playing a little bit of luigi's mansion on stream and it's funny that you talk about that water level and how frustrating the controls <laughs> were with that because he was like that was his same issue is he he played the game came across that and got so frustrated that he put it down for a bit and now he's come back to try and get past that because it's it's not that he's really stuck it's just so frustrating that Mm -hmm. you know you kind of lose patience for it after doing it for for a while right so yeah i and then the how the game has expanded from just being this you know single kind of small mansion this house to now a hotel where there's like you said different environments that have different themes and stuff is really cool and i think that it's kind of expanding this game to become bigger i think i think they could Mm -hmm. really you know um take this luigi's it's called luigi's mansion but like 
you know, make that more of just the, the name of the franchise and, and get Luigi in different environments and different settings, but still have that same kind of premise to, to the game of catching ghosts and that kind of stuff. Right. So sounds sounds really cool. I I personally I have I want to get it. It's just a matter of time and, and money for me. Of just you know, it's Nintendo games are always full price, and paying mm-hmm. eighty bucks Canadian for it, it's like, well, you know, I have Death Stranding coming up. I have Pokemon coming up, and I have Star Wars. So I'm like, mm-hmm. well, let's maybe just save the funds for for that, and then also just the time thing. I knew if with Death Stranding coming the week after, it's like. I don't know if I'm going to be able to give the game the attention that it deserves. So I, I might wait. I, and who knows? Sometimes Nintendo games do go on sales. Mind you, they're usually only like $10 cheaper or something. But my my friend Andrew, actually, his favorite game of all time is Luigi's Mansion. So, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So I, I uh, he doesn't have a Switch. And I told him that he, he should get one because because of this and I, who knows maybe at some or did they confirm are the other luigi games coming to or i don't think they are have been confirmed, i no. don't think so i i believe they put the original one onto the 3ds right that was and then of course there's there. dark moon which is on the 3ds GDS, yeah um so i don't know if either are gonna come to switch at some point or not but um currently i don't think there's any word on that yeah i i think i read an article somewhere from bowser nintendo of america president uh talking about wanting to bring 3ds franchises over onto the switch mm-hmm. i think it would make sense to it, it's unfortunate that they couldn't have ported, ported those games over to the switch prior to luigi mansion 3 coming out right. so that would have been really cool a great way to kind of get excited and also allow people to experience the franchise who maybe you know i i, I think the second game you know be because it was only on the 3DS, didn't necessarily do as much. I mean, Luigi's Mansion, a lot of people played that if they had a GameCube because it was, I think it was a launch launch yep. title, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I even remember going to like a, like a Walmart's or EB Games or something like that and playing it on one of those old uh, <laughs> kiosks or whatever yeah. where you, like, you're kinking your neck because you're staring up at the t- right. tube TV that's like above you and stuff. And... Um, yeah, so I, I, I hope to get the game. I want Andrew to come over and see what he thinks of it, being a big fan of the the series. And, yeah, it, it seems like a, a, a pretty good game, and I'm excited to check it out for myself. Uh, I'll just, uh, you know, I've been playing The Outer Worlds. I don't really need to talk about that. I'm just It would just be more of the same that I talked about last week. I'm really enjoying it. I probably nearing i'm hoping i'm nearing the end it sounds like it's like a 30 hour i'm about 22 hours mind you i am completing a lot of the side quests so i might you know might be more like 40 hours for me who knows i'm hoping to wrap it up before death stranding comes um but the other game i've been playing well have played a little bit of is after party we talked about that a little bit last week and how it was Mm -hmm. launching and yeah so it came to game pass i downloaded (laughs) it and played it a bit uh halloween morning i think because i had the day off and it's uh yeah it's not grabbing me like oxen free was uh adam had you texted me saying essentially that and (laughs) i was like man you you're you're basically reading my mind like i i feel the exact same way it's not that it's bad or anything like that 
and maybe it's because of just uh, I'm having so much fun with Outer Worlds, but playing it, I'm just like, I just want to get back to Outer Worlds and play something that I'm really, really enjoying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that has any influence on it, but the game itself, it's it's cool. The humor in it is really great. I, I like the writing. Uh, great voice cast. Um, yes. That, that is definitely notable. And the story is really cool for those of, I think we talked about last week, but those who don't know, it's basically your uh, college students who have died. You don't really know how you've died, uh, but you've gone to hell. And one of the ways to get out of hell is um, Satan puts on this party. And if you can out party Satan, Satan will respect you enough to basically allow you to return back to, to the real world. And yeah, it's really funny because like hell is you you know hell obviously is supposed to be this horrible place but you go down there and every, it's just like you know everyone is partying and and drinking and uh there's a lot of humor to a lot of the characters you there's obviously other humans that are down there um and as well as demons and stuff so that's really funny interacting with these demons um but it's really cool because you just like you come across people and they're, they're bad people. Like there's one character that you encounter at this party, uh, to get an invite to Satan's party. And he is a serial killer. Like he's a super notorious serial killer. <laughs> and, and the, the characters comment on his like, oh, um, cause they, they know who he was and everything like that. So it, it's kind of, it's a fun game, but overall, like it's just not, I think what Oxenfree had was this great sense of like mystery and you're, you're really engaged Mm -hmm. to kind of figure out what's going on in this world and you know i think after party just has a different tone to it that isn't grabbing me as much as oxenfree did how about how about you 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 obviously had the same kind of impressions for it but what'd you yeah i mean you pretty much pretty much hit the nail on the head i mean yeah like oxenfree like i i just played that like earlier in october late september something like that and um, I thought I, I really enjoyed that because it was a, like the mystery of it all, which just kind of like I had to keep going. I had to know what was going on and what was going to happen. And <clears throat> it was kind of spooky. So it kind of mm-hmm. fit the, the time frame just right. And and this one, um, you know, like you said, the, the voice acting's great. The writing's good. Um, it's just it's. I don't know. It's just not grabbing me. Like the, the narrative isn't, isn't compelling me to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though there is sort of some sort of mystery involved, like we don't know how we died. Right. We don't know why we're there. Um, it, it just, I'm, I'm not interested enough, I guess, in, in the why to keep going at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, just not grabbing me. Yeah, I, I, I do want to keep playing. A le- I've like I probably have played two hours. I want to say I think I looked up and it's roughly six to eight. It's one of those games though that also says that you can. It has replayability, right? Because it is a choice based mm-hmm. game. Right. Different things happen depending on what you do in the game, and so. I, I couldn't see myself, well, who knows, maybe I'll get through it and decide, wow, it is great, but um, it's not there quite yet. I don't know when I'm going to go back to it, because like I said, there's just, 
I want to finish Outer Worlds, got Death Stranding, Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. So it's, yeah, it, it's a, it's a good, good game. I wouldn't say it's bad by any means, but it's just not, yeah, just not grabbing us. So, mm. um, did you have any other games you wanted to talk about or was that primarily it? No, I think that was about it. I, yeah. I gave that a try. So there was still playing, uh, more Outer Worlds mm-hmm. like, like you have been. And then, um, and then I tried after party and then, uh, just like a day after that, you know, uh, Luigi's Mansion came out. So I've been mostly playing that since. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I'm in the same boat. I, and I haven't even really played too many games this week cause I've just been busy and still trying to get over this cold and stuff. So I'm mostly just watching, watching Netflix and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I'm really excited for what's coming up for us. Like that between Death Stranding, Pokemon, you know, Star Wars, I, I it, we have we'll have a lot of games to talk about. Um, I'm actually yeah. I'll mention now, uh, and so I I'm sure you longtime listeners remember that earlier at the beginning of this year I joined in uh, to do an Apex podcast called Apex Champions with uh, another fellow kind of funny best friend named Garrett Neely. And, uh, Garrett has expressed interest in coming on the show, uh, to talk a little bit about Death Stranding, Pokemon and, uh, Star Wars as well. So, uh, yeah, well, we'll probably have some good conversations coming up about those games this month. So I'm really looking forward to those. And not to even mention that like I'm getting ready to get into the Star Wars mode because like as we were talking, <laughs> we got Mandalorian coming up with mm-hmm, Disney Plus. Yeah. We have Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and uh, you know R- Rise of Skywalker just just around. I got my tickets yep. locked and loaded mm-hmm. for that. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I I'm usually on on the ball of um, knowing when they go live, but I kind of forgot about it and thank goodness that i'm a part of like the kind of funny facebook group because i went on facebook was scrolling they're like uh you know psa star wars tickets are on sale right now and i got my tickets right away and i think there was i went i i planned for the late later showing and i got there was probably only like it's the ones it's I'm going to a theater where you pick your seats. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, there was probably like six seats left or something like wow. that. And I was like, <laughs> Oh man, I got to get on this right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to kind of get into that, that mind frame for star Wars. I'm going to start me and Megan are probably going to rewatch uh, all the star Wars movies and stuff like that. It'll be fun. All right. Let's end off the show with question of the week. Uh, you guys did an awesome job of, you know, continuing that interaction from last week. A lot of you guys wrote in with responses. So last week's question was, how do you decide if you want to buy a game or not? Do you base it on review scores, developers, publishers, etc.? I kind of actually didn't even realize that this question kind of lines up with with Death Stranding, talking about reviews and how that can influence (laughs) whether you buy a game. So uh, the first response we got is from your brother, Stephen, at LordlyKings.on on Twitter. And Stephen says, I think more than anything, it's my gut reaction to a game. After that would be developer slash publisher. Reviews are non-existent in my decision making. Uh, Bioware and Square Enix games are always a no-brainer purchase for me and Hello Games blew my gut away with No Man's Sky. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, 
you never know what you're going to get, right? When you when you have a game that reviews poorly, it's like, does it line up? You kind of have to experience it for yourself. And No Man's Sky, No Man's Sky was one of those games that just tanked when it when the reviews drop, and you're yeah, you kind of <laughs> this cloud comes over you, and you're like, dang, that really sucks, right? Coleman Dean on Facebook responds, I'd say 95% of my decision comes down to how the game looks in the trailers. Otherwise, strong suggestions from friends help me decide as well. Garrett Neely on Facebook says, A combination of reviews and opinions from friends. Sometimes I'll buy something just because of the developer, but more and more I'm shying away from this and seeing what friends think first. Matt Johnson on Facebook says, I take reviews with a grain of salt. Just because a reviewer didn't like it doesn't mean I won't. I usually will be excited when a developer slash publisher that made a good game I previously enjoyed comes out with a new game. There's a bit of trust build with that developer. And then BJ Bernardo, uh, at BJ Bernardo 10 on Twitter says, I think the big thing is how much I like the series. I get excited for the uh, umpteenth Halo. Umpteenth. Yeah, Halo came, and for all future The Divisions. Reviews help with newer, unknown games, especially if it's from someone that has led me right before, uh, like Ryan McCaffrey from IGN, or Kind of Funny, for example. So, great responses. It sounds like a lot of you guys kind of line up with, with the same thing. Reviews don't necessarily influence your guys' opinions. Um, it's more of the suggestions from friends, or if you know, uh, a certain developer, publisher that has a good track record, you'll, like Matt said, you get a bit of trust with them and, and continue on with that. Uh, so thank you guys all to responding. Those are really great responses. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, Adam, let's turn it to you. What? How do you decide if you want to buy a game or not? So I mostly go off of, I, I would say, uh, gameplay trailers, mm -hmm. um, demos, things like that. Uh, something where I can see the game in action so I kind of know what what I'm getting out of it. Um, sometimes sometimes developers and publishers, I mean, how many times have we mentioned like Devolver Digital Games on here? You totally. Know, like, we'll, we'll see a good trailer and be like, well, you know, go figure, Devolver's publishing because they just seem to publish all these really great indie games. Yeah. And uh, so sometimes that, and then of course you have developers like Insomniac and Naughty Dog and, um, you know, things of that nature, Nintendo even, mm -hmm. um, where they have such a good track record that you can trust what they're bringing out. But I mean, I'd say most of it comes from kind of agreeing with what Coleman said is that it comes down how the game looks in trailers. Mm -hmm. Um, review scores, I kind of use as like an absolute last resort, mm -hmm. um, where I'll get it. Like if I'm just, I'm super on the fence, you know, where it's maybe a game I originally wasn't planning on getting, but there's a lot of good feedback on like Twitter or something, then, you know, I might go and take a look at reviews and, you know, cause you do get a little bit of gameplay out of it. You get some, some of that person's feedback and you kind of use that to kind of piece together some of the some of the information you already had on hand so i a lot of times i i just kind of ignore reviews other sometimes because i don't want any spoilers mm -hmm. um so that's like with luigi's mansion like i didn't i didn't want any spoilers so i just avoided reviews altogether so it's kind of interesting that you know my opinions fell in line with a lot of stuff you you had already heard but yeah um yeah so for the most part it, it's a i i don't want things being spoiled and then also on the other hand, usually I have usually I have my mind made up already that I don't need to bother watching the trailer 
um, or, or the review rather. Yeah. So that's kind of a last resort for me. So yeah, I'd say mostly my decision making comes from the, the trailers and, and gameplay looks. Mm-hmm. And then to a minor degree, the track record of the developer and yeah. publisher. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I mean, I, I take recommendations um, quite a bit, especially because I, as a, I'm sure most of you have learned to know on the, listening to the show, is I'm, I'm, I'm not like a specific type of gamer. I like to play a wide variety of games. And so, yeah, if there's a game that one of my friends has played and they really recommend it, you know, I generally trust their opinions unless I know that they're a, a very different gamer than I am and like certain kinds of games, right? Uh, I generally give it a try. Like a great example of if you, is you giving a, a raving review about Ind- Indivisible and a game that I ne- never knew anything about. Um, I was going to purchase it, but then I found out that my library has a copy of it. So I'm just waiting nice. for, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they got uh, physical copies for Xbox One and PS4. And so I decided, well, why don't I just save myself 50 bucks and, you know, check it out at the library. I'm still just waiting for me to, I'm, I'm, I don't know how many people are in front of me, but I should, should get it hopefully in the next three or four weeks or so. But um, yeah, so I'll, I'll take recommendations for sure. And then, yeah, trailers is a big one. I mean, that's kind of why Death Stranding grabbed me, right? Is uh, watching these trailers and the mystery surrounding it and seeing all the, the crazy things with the BTs. And uh, even though I don't, <laughs> wasn't necessarily knowing what was going on with it, there was something about it that just kind of brought me into it. Um, and then, yeah, developers is a big one, but you can never be too sure, right? You Devolver Digital, yeah, that's a great example of a company that I like so many of their games that I'm probably going to check out when if they, they release a new game, right? But then you have things like, I'm a big Bethesda fan, and, you know, you come across games like Fallout 76 where they drop the ball on it, and so it's like... You never know, right? At some point, one of your favorite developers can make a misstep and and stuff like that. But, you know, it's it's really hard to say. And then when it comes to reviews, I generally don't ever base uh, my opinion on reviews. I, I like in, in terms of like the traditional scores and stuff like that, I will, you know, help if I'm kind of on the fence about a game, I'll let somebody's impressions of something, you know, help me decide if, if, if I'm going to get it or not. So, you know, I, I didn't, even with Death Stranding, I did not read IGN's review. I didn't watch their video because I, I heard they showed a little bit of gameplay stuff. I just, I kind of want to go in not knowing too much. Um, but I read things like Polygon or Kotaku's review where they don't give scores and they just like, here's how I felt about the game. Uh, just to hear those impressions and stuff like that. That's why I sometimes like re- review sites like Kotaku who who don't put a number on things and they because there's so many people I think that get caught up in that, which I've already talked about on the show today. But yeah, that, that's just kind of how I base it. Um, yeah, if a game is also just looks um, like nothing else, like Death Stranding, I, those are games I'm attracted to. So that's another thing that helps yeah and that was one of the things where death stranding like me going in and and looking and at and watching some of these reviews because 
that was sort of my last resort on this game. I'm like, I have no idea what this game is. Like, mm. I'm going to have to risk the spoilers to see if this is a game I actually want to buy. Yeah. Because I was so on the fence about it. Yeah, and, yeah. And it was kind of one of those things where after kind of piecing together from those those different reviews where it's like, okay, well, this doesn't really sound like a game for me, so I'm going to pass on mm-hmm. that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was something I kind of had to, to check into just because – I had, I still have no clue what I'm what I'd be getting into. So totally, yeah, and like and reviews are are helpful in that sense. Like, if all the reviews for Fallout seventy six didn't come out and talk about all the bugs and issues that that game had at launch, it's like, you know, if I would have just went in because I'm a Fallout fan and maybe I would have been disappointed, right? They kind of helped me. Okay, maybe I'm gonna hold off on this this title and wait for a price drop or something, and before I check it out. So, anyways, thank you guys again for the responses. Uh, of course, uh, we got to issue this week's question. So, what genre of video games just doesn't click with you? So, is there any specific types of games that you know might be very popular that you just don't really mesh with? So you can write into your uh, write in your answers to the email address gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com or you can go over to Facebook or Twitter uh, at gamesarefunpod on Twitter uh, and the, the link for Facebook. They're all down in the show notes. Um, respond with your answers below and we'll read them out on next week's episode. All right, so this has been episode number 71 of Games Are Fun. We're getting closer and closer to that 100 mark. I want to do, I don't know when it will line up. I haven't done the math on it, but I, I want to do something special for uh, for episode 100. I don't know what that will be yet, but maybe we'll, we'll do something for it. Uh, yeah, Adam, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AdamPalooza85. And you can follow me on Twitter at LukeAllenArm. Follow the show at GamesAreFunPod. Look for us on Facebook. Search for GamesAreFun. And of course, uh, if you're, I haven't posted for a long time, but if you're interested in following us on Instagram at GamesAreFunPod on there as well. All right. We will talk to you guys next week. We'll have some initial impressions of Death Stranding. Um, yeah so enjoy your week have fun with death stranding hopefully if uh if that's what you're doing this weekend and we will talk to you guys next tuesday see you later